Welcome to the Six Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 82. We took a break last week because somebody was sleeping and coughing and gross. It was a lot less sleep, unfortunately, (laughs) and a whole lot more gross. A lot more gross. <laughs> <laughs> to use your words, so um, I still may cough a little bit. I feel one hundred percent better, but I forgive me in advance for the ger- the germs will not go through the interweb. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We decided not to subject you to the numerous coughs and sniffs and sneezes that uh, would have been included in last week. Um, so we decided to take a break anyway and uh, come back this week instead. So we have a lot of stuff to cover today. Tanner's here too, by the way. Hey, 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 dude. What's hey. going on? Oh, uh, you know, just living the dream, brother. How's living school the dream. Um, can I say that I love it and I hate it? Sure. Um, it's really good stuff. But I, uh, I've never been a great school student you know <laughs> so it's uh that's what they call them too they call yeah, them school, school students. students yeah it's a lot of it's a right now it's a lot of uh late night oh yeah i forgot i gotta read those two chapters of that one book i have like 12 books in the back seat of my car and <laughs> yeah like i've got three other ones sitting here in the room with us today Just that carry I'm them doing. around now i mean really that's the only way i'm gonna remember to read what i need to read <laughs> and it's not like it's easy stuff too it's like bonhoeffer which is German theologian and is it at least in English? It is in English. What's the name of that class? That I'm. I'm it's an actual class on on Bonhoeffer. Is Life and Writings of Bonhoeffer. What a cool! I didn't realize it was that specifically targeting him. Yeah, it's, we've watched like a documentary on him. We've read Cost of Discipleship, Life Together. Um, Have you already read both those in entirety? <laughs> Yes, I read. I read Cost of Discipleship. <laughs> I like the for way you a previous <laughs> class. Mailed it back, yes. and then they sent it to me again. Oh, hey, required reading. Uh, anyway, sweet. so school's great, but it's you know a lot. And thank God for my wife because she's being very supportive. And I'm like, I smile at her, and I'm like, hey, um, I'm gonna go to the office now and uh, just read a whole bunch and. Good luck bathing the kids and getting them to Bye. Bed. <laughs> She's like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> but yeah. So she has a, uh, a more of a hate relationship with school? Very, uh, well, maybe just with me. You <laughs> know, oh, it may not be school. It's just probably me. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Yeah, if that's I had the ability to plan better, it may not be so bad. But <clears throat> <laughs> Well, uh, that's, that's a good time. So we're glad you're here. So uh, did you guys know, I read this week, Probably didn't know then. No. Uh, ladybugs were named by European farmers. I didn't know this. Named I by European wonder, farmers? I always wondered, why, why is it a ladybug? Like, there's there's is male it, ladybugs. Is it sexist? There right. are male... Wait, 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 wait. Well, but it's, I never thought about that before. There are male... Male ladybugs. Ladybugs. Right. And they're not m- male bugs or dude bugs or whatever. They're ladybugs. I assume there's male. I don't know. But is it like, is it is it them just saying, oh, hey, there's, uh, hello, ladybug. Yeah. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> can you do it again? Do it again. Hello, ladybug. <laughs> like oh, come on. You can do better than I that. I can't. I don't have it. European. <laughs> so, Get your European accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladybug. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? 
Do we, should we start this episode over? <laughs> uh, Restart. So, so these European farmers, they were praying to the Virgin Mary and asking their protection because their crops were getting destroyed by pests. And soon after they prayed, they noticed that this, this new species of bug had been eliminating the invasive pests that were coming in and eating all their plants. And so they dubbed this new bug the Beetle of Our Lady. Interesting. And then it eventually got in sh- got shortened to the Lady Beetle, which finally ended up at Ladybug. Ladybug. Yeah. News of the what, man? I was I was like, huh. That's interesting. News of the what? Yeah. Mm. I I wow, my brain just went to like like I don't know why we do this. I guess it's it's where we're coming from in our culture, but like like I think of uh the Baylor Bears basketball team. Mm-hmm. But then it's the Baylor Lady Bears. The Lady Bears. So it's not the it's not the men bears and the lady bears. It's the bears and the lady bears. Right. I don't know if that is that common at different schools. Y- y- yes, but there's also like there's exceptions to it where it's like like the like the Sooners. What do they do in Oklahoma? They're they're the, the Sooners. Sooners. So but, they don't do but, lady Sooners. And no, I don't believe so. I don't no. think I've ever seen that. No, anywhere. it's not. They're just the Sooners. But like where I where I went to school, we were the Saints, and we had the Lady Saints, right? Interesting. Which, which is unnecessary. But yeah, we had Rangers and Lady Rangers, and okay. But I was thinking about Oklahoma State, the Cowboys. They're the cowgirls. They're not. They're not the. Lady. You can't be Lady Cowboys. They're not the Lady Cowboys. How do you, how lady are you Cowboys. Lady Cowboys? That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I remember it was it was literally like a month or so ago, and I was like. Wait, hang on. Yeah. Do they do that? Right. Apparently they right. don't. Hmm. So we had some uh, some interesting um, announcements this last, uh, I guess it was two two Sundays ago. Um, Are we really going to go from, yeah, from yeah, yeah, Lady Cowboys to... We're moving on. Okay. <laughs> this is a peek into how Brooke's brain works. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Next thing. Um, so if you were, if you were not around... Um, just because Lauren was getting comfortable over there without his reading glasses on and just doing some things. And so I'm going to make him work now. Um, we have announced some staff changes um, as of two Sundays ago. And if you're not around and missed out on that, what would you, uh, how would you fill us in? Yeah, I guess, I guess to uh, clarify, um, I, think, I think the core of our church is probably up to speed by now. We've had a couple special gatherings of people that are super involved at Colonial. We obviously uh, made some announcements at our service. I shouldn't say obviously. We did make announcements on the 11th. So we're recording this on, what is today? Monday the 19th. 19th. So uh, we could go yesterday. Um, so for some folks maybe who showed up this weekend after, after being away from church or out of town or anything like that, maybe a little bit out of the loop, uh, Hopefully our listeners, anybody who calls Colonial Church home has been, is surprised zero specifically about how we're doing financially. I'll start with that. Hmm. Um, I really hope that we've communicated consistently, very transparently over the last, really the last year and a half, two years that we have bluntly put, um, been taking in, uh, receiving less money than we have been spending or, or um, doling out. And so um, it, to, to 
to be real clear about it, it's not a spending problem, though. We have been incredibly frugal. Um, our staff has been asked, um, you guys know, since before my time, to do ministry and don't spend any money. <laughs> it's been a really difficult place to operate out of. You could you could probably hear a lot of stories from our staff and, and different ministry leaders along those lines. Um, we don't have a lot of debt. Our debt payment is is reasonably low on what we still owe on 242, our kids' ministry building. Um, but we have definitely, especially since the onset of the pandemic, we have been uh, overstaffed. Uh, if you want to look at how much staff you can have based on your regular attendance, based on your, your engagement level with, with a number of people, um, there's different numbers out there, but a, a pretty typical church would have a full-time person for every 100 folks. Uh, that's a loose ratio. So for a thousand person church, you might have, you know, eight, 10, maybe even 12. If you're overstaffed, you could have 12 people on staff. Um, we have had 10 people on staff, uh, three of which are not even full time. Um, and I'm not even, there's also a couple other really part, part time people, but basically we've had 10 staff and to make a long story short, we have just, our elders have been very slow in wanting to um, negatively impact our staff and our families. Uh, we've been um, not necessarily hopeful that our church was going to suddenly go back from, you know, 400 to 1,000 or 400 mm -hmm. to 800. Um, but also just curious, as, as everybody coming out of the pandemic, curious what, what, how many people will come back, how many more people will we reach, and what we have finally come to grips with these last several months is that, um, which a lot of people are agreeing across the country, is uh, there's been a great resignation uh, of, of people in the church at large. And most churches, with, with some exceptions, most churches are way down in attendance, including Colonial. Um, and so we are not a church of eight, 850 anymore. We're a church of 400. And so we need to be staffed accordingly to uh, to be responsible with our money and to to, to be in a place of health uh, and to ha give our ministry areas some some money to work with and so oh my goodness um, just a brutal process uh, nobody on our team you guys the three of us represent you know almost a third of our our team of ten uh, and so uh, our elders have taken this really seriously Ron Downing our executive pastor. Um, really led the way with some different options, some different scenarios for us. And um, make a very long story short, we made a, a very difficult decision um, in late July, actually, to eliminate three of our staff positions, our executive pastor position, um, our spiritual formation pastor position, and our facilities manager position. And so Ron Downing, Jordan White, and Eli Harris, um, uh, we're, we were, we notified them right away. Um, they've all got, uh, Ron's got a, a wife that he cares about the whites and the Harris's got kids in school. Um, and so we just wanted them to know ASAP so they could make any plans that they, they need to. We also, um, I want to be frank about this. We, we gave some generous severance packages, uh, that in financially hard times, it's not a given, but it's the right thing to do. 
Um, one thing that was explained, if you don't know this, is that when you work for church, you, the church does not pay into unemployment. So um, that may be news to some of our listeners, but if you lost your job at Exxon or you lost your job at the paper mill or whatever, you know, you, you might, um, you like that paper mill reference? Paper mill. Yeah, threw that in to be random. <laughs> Dunder Mifflin or whatever. Um, <laughs> you, you can file for unemployment. You can get, you might be out of work for six months or a year or whatever. And frankly, I don't even know how it works, but I know you can file for unemployment insurance and have money coming in. Church staff can't do that. So you're out in your keister and you have no, you like that? Why do y'all keep rolling your eyes when I use I'm a word? sorry. My face doesn't hold back sometimes. <laughs> we're, we're in a podcast recording room, <laughs> and I say words like keister, and uh, uh, my friends here just go, do you, do you want me to use different words, Tanner? No. That's fine. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to break. Like I'm not trying this to This is supposed real. to be like a serious moment. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I do this to myself with these guys. It's so fun. Long story short is it's it's the right thing to do for our... Uh, for our, our church to provide just a buffer for them. So um, the reality is it's not going to help us significantly from a budget standpoint month to month until we get into the new year. Uh, all the more reason we decide to make the decision soon. Um, I, I'm taking a pay cut. Um, I don't want to make any more of that than it is. It's the right thing to do. Uh, it's just part of a, a larger decision to try to live within our means as a church. I think that's probably the best way to explain it because, um, you guys know when you're doing your family budget, you got to figure out how much is coming in and how much is going out. And, and so many Americans these days are living well beyond their means, using credit cards, having lots of debt. Uh, it's the last place we need to be as a church, um, for multiple reasons to honor the Lord's resources, to model what it looks like to families. And so we are, we're trying to get there. Um, and, uh, so hard, hard time. We announced it recently. We've had some hard conversations. Our staff, please continue to pray for our staff. Um, we're not just a team, we're friends and family. And so, um, picture the people you work with in your respective lines of work and, how hard that can be to, especially to have three all at once. Um, I know my wife as a teacher has seen just similar things in education world. They just laid off so many teachers this past year and, and they're so short now. And so, um, that's the update. Uh, I will add for all of you who, who just really love and care, uh, for any or one or more of these three guys and their families, I really encourage you to reach out to them. Um, those of you that are super good friends, I don't have to tell you that you've probably already been hanging out with them and, and reaching out to them. But for, for the rest of you, even if you don't think there's a, a strong connection there for whatever reason, or you've only had minimal interaction with one or more of them, I really encourage you to be intentional, uh, with words of gratitude, uh, a card, um, a gift, you know, uh, bless them with a, a, a meal out, um, I just think those things go a long way just to love well. We've got uh, three very simple boxes set up in the cafe uh, during the week this week as and through next weekend, this Sunday, the 25th. And if you've got some blank cards there, you can stop by and fill out something, uh, just short words of, of gratitude to them and love. Or you can bring your own gifts or gift cards or um, really want to encourage that. So um, our staff is... Uh, mourning and uh, reeling a little bit from it uh, and all at the same time 
uh, picking up the work and trying to move forward and reassess responsibilities. And so forgive me for a long monologue there with words like keister. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of where we are, Brooke, Tanner, any thing to add to what, what we've been going through or where we are as a church that I'm putting you on the spot, anything that you think our people need to hear or would be clarifying or encouraging? I think I just would say that, um, I respect the way that our elders have really tried and well, and even, even those three guys knowing for quite some time before the rest of the staff knew and, and the way that they carried themselves and they were just super respectful. Um, and it just showed how much they do love this community and how much um, they cared about the ministry they were here to provide. And um, so I just would say I, I appreciate our elders really, really trying to do this as well as they possibly can to communicate as well as they possibly can to our church. Um, and then to just be there for staff who are processing these things. You said, um, you said a little bit ago, um, our elders were slow in making this decision. And I just wanted to clarify, um, not slow as in you think it should have happened faster. Slow as in intentionally slow, like so that they made a good decision that they were here in the Lord and that, um, and, and it does kind of make sense. Drag your feet a little bit in that this impacts people, and that's the last thing you want to do is have a negative impact for the people you care about. So really trying to pray to God um, that something would shift, something would change. And um, so slow in the intentional sense of let's don't be in a hurry to make a hard decision. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm as a staff who's still here and trying to pick up pieces and trying to move forward and... Um, I'm thankful for uh, just seeking the Lord and and stretching that out and making sure that um, as many ducks are in a row as possible before something like that is is said and a decision like that's made. So, yeah, I want to encourage uh, anybody listening, especially if this is a little bit newer uh, of an update for you. Man, our elders really um, value good communication and honesty, openness. Our doors are open. Um, you may be more comfortable with with one or more of one or you know particular elder, but Pat Page, Brett Swiger, Doug Marchand, uh, and myself, any one or more of us would love to sit down, um, answer questions. Um, let's put our elders' email addresses even in the in the show notes if you don't mind, Brooke. And just want to encourage, not talking about this, but getting the facts. Um, I think. The old game of telephone can can have its own role. It can be in, really damaging. It can really damage just stuff that's not true or, mm-hmm. or remote, or just barely off base or misperceived. So I want to encourage that. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tanner, I, I would affirm what you said. They uh, those those three guys handled it. Um, they handled it very well, very graceful. Yeah. Um, you know, to have known for at least a couple of solid months before, before, you know, it was made public, um, you know, to, to, I mean, just the way they handled themselves in the office and we were working with them day to day and we yeah. can, I think we can, we can now look back at some conversations like, sure. Oh, okay. That makes more sense now. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, 
um, you know, conversations or, or, or little things over here or, or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. they handled it with grace and, um, and kept doing their jobs and, yeah. And kept trying to do what they could to set up the rest of the staff for success right. following that. So, and even to a degree still, uh, available to help our church move forward and, yeah. um, yeah. So it's been really cool to see them. Yeah. That. So I, 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 uh, um, just to repeat what, what Lauren said, um, you know, we have, we have the boxes that are available in the, in the cafe. And, um, so, you know, this weekend coming up or, or if you want to bring your own thing, like this is just a great way to, to say thank you. If you, if you're not already connected with them and, and have the ability to, uh, to text them, um, and, and tell them that you love them, this is another way that you could, that you could take some time and, and uh, just say what they mean, meant to you and, and how they've impacted your life. So, I would affirm that as well. Mm. So, well, uh, thank you for for keeping us up to date here as well. We didn't want to skip over something as as big of a deal as that, and and then just blaze on by like it was like it was nothing. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we have for the last several weeks been going through the book Unoffendable, um, along with our series um, uh, No Offense. Why don't we just call it no Unoffendable? Not really sure. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, too late. Yep, it's too bad. Doesn't matter. Um, and so, so skipping last week, uh, skipping last week's podcast, we did not have time to get back on and finish off our last few chapters of the book Unoffendable by Brand Hansen. So um, we uh, we want to go ahead and finish that off. We don't want to just skip through and and uh, ign- ignore the the last five chapters here that we have. So. Um, if you if you have read the book or have missed a few podcasts, you can go back. Um, I think to uh, episode seventy eight is when we started the conversation, and then really started diving in seventy nine, eighty, and eighty one, and then um, we will uh, we're going to finish this guy off today. So um, we have these last couple chapters here as uh, Hanson is starting to wrap up his ideas here um, about being an unoffendable person and uh, really, really living your life in a different type of way. And I liked that he's talked about multiple times, like this is not what the world does. Mm. And so to live this way is radical to be able to say, you know what? I could take offense at that, or I could choose to be offended by that, or I could choose to act out of anger because of X because somebody said something to me or somebody did something to me or I don't like the way that they handled whatever. Um, but to live my life in a way that says, you know what? They're human and I'm just as guilty and God loves us just as much. Jesus is not surprised by our actions mm. and he still loves us. And to try to start to work in that into our lives, um, so now, now we start to wrap it up. So for you guys, what, what has stood out here, chapter 20 or beyond? Like, what really stood out to you here as we uh, get to the end? Um, I, I confess, as I got toward the end of the book, um, I don't want to just always be glowing and because, and, uh, you know, everything could be done differently. Or, But I feel like he's a little repetitive toward the end. And yet, you know what? really is is still meaningful to me is when when I'm taught about grace and how little sense it makes that's not a chapter 
you know, that's like something I need to hear in from different perspectives. I need to hear in, in the context of different stories and different scripture passages. And then I need to read another book on it. And then I need to read another book on it. And then I need to hear another teaching on it. And, and so to that end, I'm not really, I'm not bashing, uh, the author, uh, Brent Hansen at all. I, I just think he's a little bit appropriately redundant <laughs> about grace. Uh, the last few chapters, I'm just convicted. Uh, he, he talks in chapter, I believe it's chapter 20. No, uh, yeah. Chapter 20 imbalance. You better hope so. And I, I just, there's an image from that chapter that really jumped out at me. Um, you know, we're so, we have such a hard time accepting God's unfair grace for us uh, we can we can say we we get that he paid the price for our sin that we're forgiven uh, and yet he reminds me that I still try to earn his forgiveness I still try to I still think it's on me it's not fair that he would just give it to me and I love the image uh, of he says he says it's like he's a I'm not gonna tell the story well but in sports you know he's on the He's on deck. It's the bottom of the ninth. He's already struck out four times. Oh, here we are, 153. He's already struck out four times, but um, as they say all the time in sports, he has a chance to redeem himself. If he gets to the plate, he can still be the hero and win the game for his team, a chance to redeem himself. But I'm the guy who struck out four times, waits on deck for his chance, and doesn't get to the plate. The guy in front of me hits the game-winning homer. We win. We're the champions. He did it, not me. I didn't redeem myself. Now I'm sitting in the locker room and I should be celebrating with everyone else. And then the top of the next page, 154, he says, the game is over. We're still on the religious playing field, still trying to redeem ourselves. And God is popping the cork. And that image just has stuck with me. Like, I think that he just invites us to, I'm just picturing those guys in baseball terms. I'm an Astros fan. It's going to, it's going to happen real soon. You know, they're jumping up and down in the locker room and they got their ski goggles on so they don't burn their eyes with the champagne corks <laughs> popping everywhere. And, and, and I think God's just saying, I just want you to celebrate and you didn't do it. You, you were the, you were the pitcher in the bullpen that never even got called to the mound. <laughs> and yet look what, look what I did. Look what, look what we get to celebrate. So that, that image from chapter 20 has really stuck with me. Um, yeah, it reminds me of uh, of a story I believe he told a little bit earlier um, about his uh, his his Volkswagen that he purchased and then put in diesel into the unleaded tank, or vice versa, I think, and yeah. and ruined it. And then the company turned around and said, "Yeah, no, we we covered it." And he like beat himself up about it, like. I did this. I screwed this up. Like I should be the one that has to pay for this. But still, they've said, "No, we got it." Like huh. you messed up. It's okay. They provide more grace than we expect or deserve. And even in that moment of saving him thousands of dollars, it's like, and he he added on that he had been riding his bike and he hurt himself, and now he's like laying in his on his couch, like in pain, like. I deserve this. I messed this up. This mm. is all on me. And then still the company turned around and said, yeah, no, we, we fixed it for you. And it's not going to cost you anything. Here you go. And like beating himself up about mm. it. Like, ah, it's like, what, what, what that makes me like, what is it? Um, what is it about us that is 
unwilling to accept grace like that, you mm. know, like I can imagine for some, it could be rooted in mistrust or, you know, uh, fee, even fear of like, okay, well, what do you, what do you want? You know, or, mm. or I, I don't want to accept that because that, that feels like somebody's got a hook in me or, you know, but what is it about our nature that, cause that may not be everyone's story. It not, may, may not be grounded in, you know, mistrust or anything stuff. It could be something else, but it makes me think about like what, what, what is it about the nature of being human that is sometimes just really unwilling to accept that kind of thing? We we almost fight against that, you know. We de- we definitely do. I mean, don't you guys? We we've all got kids, and and some of them still little for you, mm-hmm. Tanner. Mm-hmm. Early on, we hear that it's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah, and that's usually in the context of. Something bad happened to me mm-hmm. and good to somebody else. Right. But in this case, this is the story of God's grace is something good happened to me or to us. And we still resist it because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel we, we have such a longing for fairness, for justice, for. Um, and so it, it, ironically to me. We can't, we can't, some of us can't receive the gift right. of grace. And I, I actually, this is a good word um, to that end. It's not fair. So page 156, he says, let's do something crazy. Let me back up one line, one line before that. He says, God doesn't love all the things we do. He loves us in spite of the things we do. So let's do something crazy and imbalanced here. Let's embrace the unfairness. I think that's a word mm. of from Christianity is... Mm. Life's not fair. The world's not fair. God's not fair as well. Let's embrace the unfairness. And then he says, why? Because not only is it in our best interest, but also, frankly, Jesus gives us no other option. Like that's a just <laughs> almost like an in your face. Mm-hmm. It's not just because it's going to feel really good and grace is amazing. It's because Jesus says this is the deal. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Mm-hmm. Like you need to embrace the unfairness the last line of the whole chapter. You better be glad. <laughs> you better be glad. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, there's also uh, in, in chapter 21, um, most of this is, is a lot of him telling a story, a couple of stories, but um, I loved his point in, uh, in telling the story of, uh, I guess he's retelling Tony Campolo's story of, of um, Agnes, of, of Agnes, I love that who story. was, uh, who was a prostitute in, I don't even remember where. I think it was Hawaii, wasn't it? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, I was in Honolulu. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's like three in the morning, and he's he's sitting in a bar, and these the group of prostitutes come in, and um, they end up throwing a party for this for this uh, this one woman, and she's just so overwhelmed by it, and she like she's just so caught off guard, and um, and and so he he uses some other stories as well, but. Uh, in the story of Zacchaeus, um, and, you know, continues throughout the book, really, to to tie in stories of Jesus showing love to people that didn't necessarily deserve it, showing grace to them, instead of the way that we tend to, um, or at least a lot of us tend to, uh, to act in those, is to tell them where they're wrong and what they're doing, you know, well, this is the rule, and this is what you're supposed to be doing, the shoulds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which, as as he says, uh, doesn't change hearts. You're not your heart is not changed 
because the law changed or because the rule says you should be. Um, rules don't change anyone's heart ever. Grace does. And I, that just, that story just stuck out to me so much that it was, um, you know, and then he, he follows it up with um, a trip into a, a Muslim company, uh, country where um, they're receiving death threats, and then they end up in the house of an imam who is um, so blessed by their willingness to just be just be and, there and just be there and yeah. to live in the way not to like show up and stay and then go back to their hotel and then come back but they're living in the sleeping on the ground right sleeping on the ground and dirty leaving in the mud living yeah. in the mud and um and really showing love not just saying hey your faith is wrong and you need to listen to me um so i i don't know i just i love those stories of of I love Living out the love and grace. I don't want you to leave this part out too. I I really was struck by that story um, of the imam who was very open at the beginning of not liking them mm-hmm. and being threatened by them and wanting them to leave. And he says he talks about how the imam gets to a place where he says, "Would would you take my children with you? Yeah, like back to America and raise them." He wants so so to to finish that. He says this is what was so puzzling on page one seventy. How is it even possible that someone could go from you're my sworn enemy, you're not welcome here, to I want you to raise my children? <laughs> How does a heart change like that? The only thing I can think of think is he saw love. He knew we loved his people. I don't know what else does that. Um, later on on the page, the imam and the villagers didn't have a heart change because of logical argument or anything except, I think, that they got a glimpse of Jesus. That's probably one of the main premises of the book, mm-hmm. I would argue, is um, the only thing that changes people is love love slash grace. Like, it's just, we can make the right arguments, we can say the right things, we can, we can be on the right side of a position, and the only thing that's going to penetrate the heart and ultimately lead to, to life change is unfair inexplicable in his language unoffendability you know um, presence yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's fun you, you make me think of a book that I've been reading recently called Eager to Love it's been it's written by Richard Rohr um, and uh, in there it kind of describes um, this aspect of logic is immovable if you appeal to a person's logic, they're convinced why they're right. And you have to appeal to the heart. And I think that goes right in line with if we're, if we're trying to take the stance of I'm right, um, you're never going to see a measure of change. And so uh, the whole point of that book is, is it's called Eager to Love. And it's, it's the aspect of if, you, if the only way a person can see a measure of goodness and love in the world is by offering that up first. And uh, I think that goes right in line with this book of unoffendable is that um, if we're eager to love the people around us, you know, then we can appeal to their heart and we will see life change kind of happen. Um, I don't know why that's just what, when you were talking, that's what I was thinking about is, that appeal to the heart of people, the experience of God, um, 
is where you fully grasp the nature of God, you know? Mm. So, you know, I, I hesitate to share this on our podcast. It's so fun to navigate. What do we say? What do we not say? Um, what's, what's remotely helpful or interesting to people listening? Uh, what's oversharing? <laughs> I think about that a lot. Uh, I shared some stuff with you two guys even earlier as we're, we're sitting down for coffee this morning. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to contextualize how this book has impacted me in one specific way as a pastor here at Colonial. I am so encouraged by this book and have really enjoyed our teaching series and the many conversations that have come from it. Uh, I think it's a call to a radically different life, the way of Jesus. And I, I love that. That always gets me excited. I have not personally struggled with roots of bitterness toward people. Um, I have not struggled, I, I think, as much as some anyway, with just being irritable, being grumpy about the world and where it's going and culture and but if I can be this real, um, I have struggled with just the woundedness of uh, as a as a pastor and as a friend to people uh, who have left. Um, we've probably all got different stories of someone we care about that no longer is attending Colonial or no longer attending church. Period. You know, just in the way the world's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pandemic, a ton of people just stepped back and out and have embraced golf and kids <laughs> soccer games and sleep, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, travel. And for some reason that hasn't offended me really in a, in a grandiose way. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm more sad for people that aren't engaging in the community of God and, and, um, and valuing the way we can spur each other on. But specifically I'm struggling with a, a little bit of woundedness of a few people that I just call friends that even partners in ministry, Mm. um, former leader at our church, uh, that I just feel like was so invested and given so much of his time and energy and not on staff with us and just engaged and, and then to look, you know, a year and a half, two years later and go, where'd he go? You know? Mm. And at some level I can even take that personally. Right. You know, and it, it just so I think I, I like to ask in this question of y'all is, um, you know, how do we distinguish between man, just letting everything roll off our backs and being unoffended, choosing to be unoffendable, which is so beautiful, embracing humility, uh, extending grace. And then all at the same time, some things just hurt. Yeah, they don't just they, I'm not talking about things that make us angry, things that make us grumpy or irritable i'm talking about something that just hurts Mm -hmm. it just it feels bad how do we not let that how do we not dwell on that how do we not how do we move through that um you just stuff it down right you just stuff those feelings down deep feel it move on i think i heard marge simpson say that one time (laughs) i'm just gonna stuff those feelings down deep and that's not that's we joke that's not healthy you know um yeah it's it that's that's a really difficult concept really i mean because 
Well, what, what this book does a really good job talking about is the things that really anger us, the things that divide us, right? But I don't think it actually really addresses, uh, in, maybe in an outright way, how do you deal with internal pain or hurt um, in a way that like that breeds like bitterness and resentment and um, that's been a really big struggle of mine as I've worked in the church for a long time and have had really communities of people, people that you just have done life with, you pour into and for whatever reason, make the decision that, um, they're going to pour into this other spot or, or whatever. Um, and it may not even be, uh, leaving in a way that's divisive or it, it may just be like they need to go, you know, it's a, it's a decision that's best for their family or, and I can even, even can affirm that decision, but it's still painful and mm. it still hurts. Mm. And there's a measure of you that leaves with them and you, you know that like that's not replaceable. It, it makes you go, I don't know how, I don't know how real or vulnerable I want to be with others. I don't know how much community I want to build with others. And yet at the same time, that is the call of Jesus, you yeah. know, is to pour into and develop and, um, that's, it's it's because it's all about relationships. Right. Church, church, and our community is not about programs or teams or mission. Right. It's about relationships. Ultimately, yeah. that's what connects us to each other. And so, when the the nature of those relationships shift, uh, or even just the frequency of interaction changes dramatically, everything changes. Mm. You know, I, I you just made me. I, I, this is possibly a rabbit trail, but you made me think you've been here. Well, you've been here your whole life. Ten, yeah, been, you've been a colonial <laughs> for 10 and a half been, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just starting to taste this. It's a little over four years for me now. I've finally been here long enough to see some of the nature of those relationships change. Um, you know, when you're only here a year or two, you don't know who's, who's who and who used to go where and right. who used to be, but now I'm finally long enough to go, oh, that family used to journey with us at your colonial, and now I saw them on that church brochure, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. other church brochure. Yeah. Or, or, golly, I keep dating myself with things on paper, right? Brochure. With, uh, <laughs> with a, a, a social media post. Yeah. Um, and so it, I'm like, oh, I didn't know, yeah. you know, they were over there now, or... Um, but we're also in a big, small town. This is, I've, I've said to you guys before, this is the smallest town I've ever lived in. Yeah. And so I'm not used to, you know, Denver and Houston before that, I'm not used to running into people ever that I used to do life with. Right. You know, you can live in a big city like that. People maybe change churches or they change jobs with you. They used to work with you. You just don't ever see them. again. Right, right, right. Maybe you see them four years later at a sporting event. Go, Hey, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I see tons of people at Walmart and market street oh, and all the time, restaurants the time. and movie theaters and yeah. gas stations. And, um, in some ways I really love the challenge of that because yeah. it, it brings to your point, Tanner, it brings the messiness mm-hmm. of, okay, this is, this is relationships. <laughs> yeah. And what does it look like to love each other really well as the nature of those relationships change? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit trail, but that that's something that I'm encountering in the wake of loss. Sure. After the pandemic, well, and it's, and it's uh, you say I've got friends who are um, worship leaders, worship pastors, uh, pastors in other churches in different areas, and when I talk about this struggle of you know people you really love leaving church and all that stuff, they don't seem. And I'm not trying to under under undermine or um, underestimate even their ability to understand, but they really, to a degree, don't understand how difficult that is um, in this community. Because, like you said, we're a big small town, and uh, people you care about move in in and out of um, community, and uh, it's it's a it's been a it's been a big struggle but I think honestly in a good way for me as difficult as, as it has been I've had to try and wrestle with bitterness and resentment in a way that some may not um, you know if someone leaves the community that you're you're engaged in and you don't really ever run into them or see them again you can kind of just put that on the back burner and move on and but when you do run into them in the grocery store and you genuinely do care about the things that are going on in their life and you ask and you talk and you have that awkward moment of, well, I know that, you know, we're not that anymore. And it, it, it causes you to deal with some of those things. Um, and you know, on openly and honestly, that's just still, that's, I think that's a constant struggle of mine. Um, serving in a unique place like Wichita Falls that, um, what did you call it? You, 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 you said it in a really good way maybe a couple of days ago talking about colonials really a regional church you know we don't have we're not a neighborhood we're not church. a neighborhood church you know all the kids go to that school right 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 man just working with students this this fall we got we got students you might have 20 students in the room at six or eight different schools right you know burke burnett iowa park archer city uh wfisd mm-hmm. several different schools mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's it's people being pulled in different directions and and all that. Um, how do you deal with that? I, I I you know I look forward to struggling with that openly with with people and journeying with people who are wrestling with that as well. And I don't have any clear answers on how to deal with the hurt of that. Or I do think that's one tangible way that we as leaders at Colonial can live this unoffendability out. Yeah. Is um wow. I just want to be this transparent. Um, you know, I got to sit down with uh, Ben Murray, uh, pastor over at City Hope. Yeah. Um, last week, I mentioned it to you guys. And um, our wives used to teach math together at Ryder High School. Our wives have become very good friends. I love that. Even though Ben and I haven't spent much time together because of our wives' friendship, it's it's made me time and time again choose the choose to believe the best about the Murrays the best about city hope. Yeah. And, and when I have heard that the such, such family that we used to do life with the colonials now over at city hope or, or somebody shares a story in passing somewhere of how much they love the ministry of right. city hope or the community of city hope. Um, this is such a great tangible way for me to go. Okay. I could be a less mature, grumpy, uh, territorial, Territorial, (laughs) um, want to build my little empire, you know, guy. 
and just go, what what jerks over there? Sure, and wh- they're not better than us. And all the, what all these ridiculous thoughts that none of which come from God, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I can go, sweet, yeah, I love the Murrays. Ah, right. City Hope, they love Jesus. Right. Ah, oh, they're reaching some people that maybe we can't reach because they meet over there or they do these things this way or, um, and to sit down with him last week when nobody's looking, I didn't know I was going to talk about this on our podcast and just, just be able to look each other in the eye and and be present with each other, empathize with the difficulties of ministry and leadership, um, talk about, you know, celebrate what God's doing. Look at you, look each other in the eye, go, you keep going. Yeah, we're cheering you on from down mm-hmm, the street. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is a, another tangible way to live out the premise of this book. Is I'm not, I'm not offended by, you know, yeah, how big somebody's you know dealio is. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely you know excited for them, and and let's just be faithful in our context, right? Well, so this this has been a. Um, a, a challenging book, a good book. It was a fun read. Um, really good stuff. And and so if you have not read it and you're, you know, listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, Brant Hansen, Unoffendable, you know, we'll have it in the uh, in the show notes one more time if you want to uh, to go out and get it. It's a really easy read. It's a quick one. Um, I actually, uh, I had to read the last five chapters rather than listen to them. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. Brooke. All on my own. I didn't know you was, could still read. It was rough. It took me a little while. Um, can, I, can I wrap up with just with one quote at yep. the very end of the book? Do this it. is a good way to do it. He said, let's review page 198, very, very near the end of the book. Choosing to be unoffendable means choosing to be humble. Not only that, the practice teaches humility. And that's it. So it's, it's choosing to be humble. That's the premise of the book. But then even the practice of, of that choice in and of itself teaches it stretches you in humility. Uh, he says it well, the next page I have to data myself. What I'm finding is it doesn't happen all at once and it's simultaneously simple to understand and arduous to actually do. But little by little, I think I'm seeing what God is up to. Hmm. Good stuff. Well, it's been a, uh, it's been a good book. So, um, I look forward to the next time we, uh, grab onto a book and do this. Likewise. Um, so, Let's uh, we we we'll, we have about a few more minutes here, ten more minutes or so. But let's 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 transition over here to uh, to Sunday's message. Um, you talked about deacons, and one of the things that you, um, as you were laying out the uh, you know what a deacon is and how many of us are deacons and don't know it, um, or maybe don't have the title uh, as a uh, somebody that serves or whatever. Um, you really wanted to talk about. Uh, female deacons, um, and this is a, a could be a much larger conversation. But in this in this context, um, let's uh, let's dive into your your topic there from Sunday. Yeah, um, good stuff. Uh, to to recap, we uh, celebrated nine new deacons here at Colonial Church. Uh, four of the nine are female, which is a first for us at Colonial. That brings our total of, of deacons right now to 30. I loved hearing, oh man, I've forgotten who, forgot who I was talking to, but they were just so excited to see when everybody came on stage. Uh, maybe worth, if you, if you weren't here this weekend, even jumping onto our app uh, or our YouTube channel and just seeing 
um, a replay just to get that image of all these deacons on stage with our elders. And I went back and looked at the picture too, and it's pretty cool because it's not just old white men. <laughs> like, I love that, you know? Um, not, not that I have anything against old white men. In fact, I'm very fond of old white men. I'm very fond of myself. <laughs> um, but I love that there's there's some age diversity up there, at least a little bit now. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some gender diversity, uh, only a little bit, but but major change there. There's even a little bit of, of just uh, ethnic background, you know, diversity, just a little bit up there that um, I think fairly represents our church. You know, we're not incredibly diverse, uh, but I, I love that it just better reflects the different kinds of people that we have in our church. And so that alone was exciting. Um, I know that uh, it's controversial, at, at least. Here's, here's what's funny to me is nobody who um, doesn't have strong denominational history or roots just even thinks this is a thing <laughs> it's it's just typically I, I and I don't mean to I, I don't I'm not gonna say it's the Pharisees you know but it is the religious um, camp that sometimes has problems with things like this it's not the bulk of your people who just want to know Jesus who just want to to experience God, you know? So that part alone makes me tired when I think about controversial stuff like this. But to take it seriously, let's talk about women in ministry for a few minutes. I think this is going to be a teaser for those of you that have tuned in just for this, but it does warrant another time. Let's hold each other to this, Brooke Tanner, looking you guys in the eye. Let's, let's plan ahead, have maybe even announce it well in advance, have couple of our elders represent the church have a female voice uh that that's that's done some preparation and excited to be a part of the conversation and let's actually dig deeper in in the very near future on on the role of women in the bible and the church and um so just a couple teasers for now i think that the biblical case against women in ministry uh really is jumping on a few very specific, very few specific parts of scripture. I think some people go all the way back to the garden, you know, um, God created Adam. Oh, you know, afterthought, he created a helper for Adam. Isn't that cute? (laughs) You know, Um, Jesus called the disciples 12 men, you know, no women. Uh, When Paul offered instructions about deacons, some people interpret the passage we even looked at yesterday. Oh, and, and then here's some here's a quick reference for their wives, you know. Um, but what this comes back to for me, if I could, first of all, that's just like okay, that's three sp- very specific parts of scripture. Um, what about the hundreds and hundreds of pages of stories of the way women led, women taught, women taught, women spread the gospel. Women uh, were used by God to rescue his people. Um, the way Jesus empowered women in his day and time, his culture was revolutionary. Like so much of that just overshadows the way we grab a verse here or, or the one way this has been taught, you know, mm-hmm. over the years. So that's, that's kind of one simple thought. But I also think what this comes down to, maybe this is a great groundwork for looking ahead to a a harder conversation it comes down to our interpretation of scripture how much 
is what some authors would call cultural. Like that's the, that's the way it was at that time in that place. Mm. And how much of this teaching or this instruction is, is, um, I never use this word, but what they would call transcultural. No, no, it's, it applies to all times everywhere, you know? Um, and I was just looking, um, I was looked at some notes I made in here. Oh, where it's is a it? prescriptive versus descriptive. Yeah. Like, like, you know, um, jump into Romans 16. I was looking at Romans 16 even this weekend because that's where Paul introduces Phoebe mm-hmm. as a deacon. He calls her a deacon. What do you do with that? Well, later in the same chapter, Romans 16, 16, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, how many of us are going to kiss each other when we walk into church this coming Sunday? <laughs> like, we, we blow right past that. Like, no, that's, that's cultural. That's what they did in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Um, that's not what we do in Wichita Falls, Texas. Ah, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Um, no, we're going to shake hands. We're going to high five. We're maybe going to fist bump. That's just, that's, that's what we do. Um, the transcultural teaching around that line, you could say is, hey, w- when you come together um, and you haven't seen each other in a while, be, be warm and kind to each other. That's the transcultural teaching of it. Um, how many churches make women wear a veil? You know, we read other parts of the same guy, Paul, who's instructing us and we're, we're grabbing that verse about, no, 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 this is about wives. This is not about women, deacons, you know. Well, he also says, hey, make sure that the women are, are veiled when they pray. Um, that's clearly cultural. And we go, yeah, 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 quit. You know, that's, that's easy. Same guy writes, hey, slaves, obey your masters. And we go, well, that applied because there was slavery then. That doesn't apply now because there's no slavery in our little world, you know. Um, the heart behind that, the, the transcultural truth is, okay, speaking of unfairness, you know, God is very different than what we think. The ways of the world is, is okay, you're a slave, rebel. Well, the way of Jesus might just be love your master, you know. And we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's for another time and a place. That's mm-hmm. not for us, you know. Why are we so quick to say, well, biblically speaking, you know, um, we can blow these things off because that's historical context. That's cultural. Uh, but we got to grab a hold of these things. It, it's, it's very pick and choose if we're not careful. And so I think that's one overarching theme to this conversation of what role do women play because we go back to our scripture that is clearly, without apology, the authority in our lives. It's the trustworthy instructions from God on who he is, on how he sees us, on how we are to live. And through that, we have to wade through. It's written in a different language, written in a different culture and context, written some of these letters written to a very specific target audience. We don't talk about that much. And on top of all that, we, we, pick, we take a line out of a letter I mean, can you imagine if if I wrote a letter to you that was 18 pages and you took one line off of page seven at the bottom, even if it's a really important line, and you just took that and made your whole belief system, you know, around it, it just it defies logic. And so it doesn't mean that we get to, you know what, it's 2022. We we I know the Bible says this, but that doesn't apply. I think we have to be really careful, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
but it really loosens my grip if I could use that imagery of I, I want to have my we, we talk a lot at Colonial about kind of a palms up posture in the way we live generously um, I think we have to do the same thing with scripture there's a few key things we grab a hold of tightly um, nothing more to me than than the person of Jesus and what he said and what he did and what God has, how God has changed everything through the work of Christ and almost everything else. I just want to, I want to hold loosely. Um, and I want to, I want to wrestle with what is the heart of God toward women? That's crystal clear in scripture to me. Uh, how has God used women to change the world? That is crystal clear to me. What role do women have to play in my life as a man? Uh, I think a pretty dang big one. And so um, I'm pretty excited about let's let's let let women stretch their wings and lead and serve and teach and uh, and all at the same time, man, let's be students of scripture. Let's be humble about it. I want to be around women who are humble about it, you know, mm. um, who are not trying to, you know, be feminist, you know, over the top about it, but but just just like us humbly seeking the Lord. Well, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? And that's a win-win-win. So um, I do want to say this too real quick. We've got four ladies who I know enough about each of them are a little bit nervous about this. Um, it's hard to go first. Uh, I don't want to make too much of it and make their weight even heavier, but I do want you uh, if you if you know any of these ladies, uh, to just encourage them and thank them for. I'm so grateful it's four of them and not one or two. <laughs> I, I don't think that would have happened probably. Um, I think I, I know for a fact there's at least a couple other ladies that said no, and I respect that. We had several men say no. It's it's taken on a lot, but I am eager to see how the ministry of our deacons and the ways our church is served well is going to change as we get some more faithful female table waiters to use the language of the message. Uh, join that, join that group. Just went off a little rant there. Any, any questions or thoughts about specifically cultural, transcultural, um, you're studying some, mm-hmm. some of that Tanner. Yeah. I mean, you have to really with any aspect of scripture, you have to, I think I think you're, it's an incomplete picture if you don't go consider cultural norms, um, what was happening in there, what were the big political decisions of the day, and all those different things. You have to factor all those all those things in to get a complete picture of it. Um, I would also say <clears throat> read multiple versions of scripture. I mean, mm. there's unless you speak Greek whole, or Hebrew, yeah, we need to be reading. There's a whole bunch of translations, yeah. so like. Don't camp out on one of those things. And I think that'll serve us as we have these discussions about, you know, what do you what do you have what do you what do you hold tightly to in scripture and um what is beyond our understanding and where 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 are the ten the lines of tension, you know, between truth and experience and all those different things and and again, it's all about how you approach it. I'm living life together. Uh, in a community of believers, you know, so many, so many offenses um, can be avoided in the ways that we approach it. And mm. so I think 
central to a conversation like this, where there are some, I mean, there are some deep-rooted traditional beliefs about certain things. Um, and I heard somebody one time, uh, it made so much sense when, it, when they told me this, um, when, you, when you bring about some conversation about um, maybe in this instance, women in leadership versus not women in leadership and those things, sometimes you're asking people to say that their grandpa or their grandma was wrong in the ways that they were leading us. And that's no small thing. So when you when you when you approach a conversation that might be rooted in um, a tradition or a cultural belief, um, those types of things, we have to be aware of the of what we're asking people mm. to consider. Yeah. Um, yeah. If somebody came up, and I'll just say it this way, as the as the uh, grandma's boy, um, somebody came up to me and said, "You're nanny. She was wrong." I'd have been like, "Well, you watch your tone. You watch your mouth. You know." We ha- I just think we have to consider what we're asking people to to think through, um, and that changes how we approach the conversation. You know, I appreciate you saying that. That's that's a little more focus, even in the wake of of our call to humility in this unoffendable book. It's it's not just where we land on in a position like this. It's it's how we have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's partly what shocker I'm excited about is. Okay, we landed on having some female deacons. Now, how do we live as a church and community, maybe with some people who see it differently, who who are asking really hard questions or uncomfortable about it? Um, how do we journey together moving forward? It really matters. Yeah. It's not just, oh, we landed here. No, yeah. Suck it up. Right. You know? Now, having said that, I, I'm stealing a line from what pastor I know. I was reading something he wrote about this subject, and he said, Geez, I just this, this carries a lot of weight with me. Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But instead of empowering as many workers as we can, many churches arbitrarily disqualify over half of them. This doesn't just cripple the church. It also alienates and undermines the value of individual Christian women. Mm. It makes some women question God's calling and confuse it with a temptation from the devil, he even writes. Um, I, Man, I just, I'm confident that the kingdom of God is most blessed by the empowerment and the cheering on of um, women and the way we value them. I love that God's challenged me in this, um, being a father of four girls and watching the world they're stepping into. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so not into, as my parents' generation would call it, you know, women's lib and, um, feminism and um i think i think like everything we can just swing the pendulum and be reactive and get all mm-hmm. passionate about it but i do think that the world i've grown up in and lived in i've i've just watched a lot of women um ironically be way more spiritually involved in the life of the church <laughs> <laughs> um and yet unempowered and hey, you can only you can only do these things um and so i'm i'm excited I'm so grateful to journey with our current elders who all have a shared desire to, to grow in this area and, uh, and to wrestle with the scriptures and even take some risks. I think that's part of what good leadership looks like is um, praying for wisdom and then acting and taking some risks. And so 
I, I let's let's have some more conversation about this. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm actually really eager to to do so, and not just what does everybody think, what does everybody opinions, but let's let's ground it in scripture, and and maybe even. Um, I think it's. I think this is a great subject matter example of maybe even something where we could have two or three different disagreeing perspectives brought to the podcast and, and man, let's do that. Let's model. What does that look like? Let's disagree with each other. Um, and invite, maybe even invite an outside source that makes us really uncomfortable and, uh, and just hear their take on why they see it that way. And, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Well, all right, we're running out of time here. We got to wrap this guy up and, um, we're not going to talk about Cooper Rush and and Dallas Cowboys just looking. They're going to win the Super Bowl, I think. Do you see my shirt? Nobody cares. He's about got a Cowboys. Philadelphia Eagles shirt on. If you've lasted this long in the podcast, <laughs> you may never listen again. I didn't know there was a Philadelphia Eagles fan in Texas. I see you, Barbara. I'm oh, with that's you. right. We have two staff. That's right. Two staff. Can I say that a lot. Two staff. Two staff right. people that have Eagles paraphernalia. Bring it on, you and your Cooper Rush. Sneak away with a win. Uh, Lauren, what can we expect next week? We are uh, starting something new. We're starting something new, and um, there's so much going on. I, I confess as much as anybody that uh, we've had our heads down and just uh, kind of reeling with some hard news and um, excited to share you know, new leaders and all that kind of stuff. But we're stepping into a, a three-week series on some difficult, challenging words from Jesus on what the church should look like. I think it's timely. Um, and uh, beyond that, I don't want to give you too much insight. I, I'm, I'm excited about kind of a new season. C- can I go ahead and tease what's coming up three weeks from Sunday? No, it's two weeks. Is it two weeks? It, Compassion Sunday. Can we go ahead and mention that? Yeah, today? that's great. October 16th. 16th. Yep. Uh, we had our first Compassion Sunday last December. Uh, I want to go ahead and tease that. Look forward. There's a bunch of you that are listening that have sponsor, chosen to sponsor one or more Compassion Kids. Um, and uh, there's going to be an opportunity in just three weeks for a bunch more uh, kids to be sponsored as well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hear firsthand about what it looks like for us to continue to partner with an incredible ministry. Um, and so, uh, I'm sure, well, I, I assume, is it, is it fair to say maybe starting next week, we'll start talking a little more about that or, uh, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's wrap this guy. Uh, it's been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. Uh, you can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com or from the app, from the app store, the Google play store. We love to hear from you. What do you think about the conversation? Um, what, what do you think about the book? Uh, let us let us know. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at colonialchurch.com. That's our email. Thank you for listening. We will be back again next week and uh, diving into something new. 